Hello, everybody, and welcome to You Got a Friend in Me, a Randy Newman podcast. I am your host, Tristan Miller, and with me today is... Scott Interante. Hey, yeah. happy to be back. Yeah. How do you, uh, how do you self-describe, by the way? Do you say musician? Do you say man about town? Yeah, yeah. Musician is, is a good umbrella for it. Okay, great. Um, also... You've been on the, the, the this, okay, so uh, housekeeping. Right. Basically, Scott and I are going to go through the albums because asking a, a, a random person that isn't as invested in Randy Newman as both he and I are is a big ask. I, I feel honored to, to be asked. So. Oh, well. See, there you go. That's why this all works out. So for the albums, we're going to talk together, and then um, we'll have like little one-offs with guests uh, and talking about their favorite. Yeah, which I listened to the one-off you did with uh, Dylan Adler, and mm-hmm. great, great conversation, great song. I got to be honest, I, I, I'm sure I have heard that song, but I was not super familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautiful, and, and you all had a great conversation. Thanks. Yeah, I really love it. And the fact that it's just the fact that it was sung to Satan originally is the funniest thing on the face of the planet. Um, All right. So today we're talking about Sail Away. A banger. Absolute banger. Are we just going to go through track by track? How do you want to? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we got to just first say that this is this is the best one, right? I mean, yeah. there, there's a lot we haven't gotten to yet, but this one is like... It's perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. There's no misses, only hits on this album, in my opinion. And it's so wild coming from 12 songs where people were like, this is a perfect album. I'm like, well, wait a album before you say that. Right. Yeah, this is it's very good. Um, I'm happy to to go song by song, but I think um, similarly to 12 songs where we talked about how there are sort of recurring themes that mm. in a lot of songs, we get that here as well. And so, you know, there are some songs that I'm, I might want to group together. You know, there's a lot obviously about America and like the mythology of America. Mm-hmm. There's a lot about like uh faith there's a there's a few songs about intergenerational discussions yeah and i think they're all kind of linked through together as well specifically like the um like old man right and god song almost feel like a conversation Ooh, yeah yeah you know because it is like the whole that whole notion of uh you know god the heavenly father you know, so there's like father issue stuff in more than one way. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, I think talking about thematic stuff might be a good place to start as well. Because there's also a couple of these songs that are going to be highlights later on. And I don't want to like get too deep in the weeds necessarily with some of them. Right. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense to start <laughs> with Sail Away. It does. The titular. Titular song. Um, so I heard... Like, I've heard this song a couple of times, and then a comedian friend of mine, Glenn Tickle, very funny guy, He um, he's going to be on the show later talking about, um, I think, Simon Smith, which is also on this album. But he was the first person that really, like, cemented the idea that the concept behind it is, like, what if Amazing Grace was written by a racist? 
<laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, the sort of like surface level description is that this is like a song essentially being sung to um, people in West yeah. Africa to be taken as slaves. And this is like selling them on the concept of America. Which is such a good premise. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Um, it's absurd. Um, it's, but it's it's delivered so sincerely. Yeah. Yeah, that cognitive dissonance. And I've heard people cover this one. And it's this one of those things of like when other people cover this song, I think a lot of that is is missing. The fact that it's funny, you know, or snarky. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, musically what he does so well is these really like simple, um, almost hymn-like mm-hmm chord progressions right i mean this song it feels very much like an old you know like a stephen foster song or something you know um and it's this beautiful melody and the these nice chord progressions and and a beautiful orchestration too and he's talking about you know um the sort of mythology that we sell of america and i think you know specifically the way that this is um organized is like it is a sort of uh slave trader mm-hmm. <laughs> selling the idea of america but i think it's broader than that too it's like just in general how we as americans sell the concept of america and like you know think yeah. about this freedom and the american dream and the you know you'll be so happy and everyone <laughs> has everything that they, they need and everything but of course you know there's like the implicit uh, a lie because mm-hmm. he's trying to enslave human beings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, what I think is so genius, and, and this is going to get us ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you know, when you what have one like this that starts off the album, and and also, and then the the side B of the album starts with political science, which we'll talk about more later too, right? But those like to give that perspective of like, hey. Uh, this is the mythology of America, but it's it's wrong and it's fucked up and all these other things are happening, right? It, it puts some of these other songs in context. Like you look at a Dayton, Ohio, 1903, mm-hmm. on the surface, like on its own, just kind of a nice song about, oh, you know, we sit on the porch and we drink tea and we enjoy the summer breeze and all this sort of stuff. And isn't that so lovely and nice? But in the context of like, Oh yeah, you have to put that in the context of the rest of the country and the mythology of the country and the the inequality of the country, right? And it, mm-hmm. it becomes much more biting in that context. Absolutely, yeah. I think to add on to that, like the fact that, like, I guess twenty minutes ago, it starts with "Sail Away," and then you get to like, oh right, all of this was founded on the first track, and you have to remember all of that. And I agree with you, and. Um, just talking about Dayton, Ohio, a little bit. I do love that he says Ohio because that is how I say it. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, maybe that's why. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think Sailaway is such a beautiful, like emblematic of what he does. You know, it's a distillation of it. And the orchestrate, you know, because he seems to have learned his lesson between the two albums because there's orchestration on a lot of these tracks, but not too much yes it doesn't sound like dances with wolves 
<laughs> yes, exactly. The song is there, and then the the orchestrations are are, um, are amplifying the song mm-hmm. rather than on that first album where the orchestrations are the song. You know, it's like it's it's so over the top. It's so ornate, and also the the recording quality is much uh more overwhelming it's a little muddier on this everything sounds amazing mm-hmm. uh, and the you know the strings and everything are working to support the song rather than cover up the song yeah going uh maybe you can tell he's more secure as a right. songwriter yeah yeah which brings us to lonely at the top mm-hmm. which i think is a, again talking about like the perception of america of like he's playing this caricature of someone who has achieved the American dream. Right. Because some people go, well, Randy, this is a bad attitude for you to have, Randy Newman. He goes, no, I'm. it's a bit, you guys, as so often is the case. But it's such a beautiful send-up of the American dream of like, oh, literally, the you'd think I'm happy, but I'm not. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I was seeing that he originally was writing it with Frank Sinatra in mind. <laughs> Frank Sinatra never ended up recording it, which is kind of funny. Um, He's so good. Because, yeah, I think maybe there's something about that, uh, the the sarcasm of it that wouldn't sell the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it would feel too real. Yeah. Oh, oh, I've been around the world. Like, that's, like, <laughs> a little much. Right. Oh, it's lonely at yeah. Is that is that your Frank Sinatra? It's not very good. No, I'm much more uh, Bing Crosby. Right, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great song though. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite. It's one of the ones I you know I weirdly kind of reversed engineered my experience with Randy's career because I started with the songbooks. Okay. Because right. I'm like only the hits. Thanks. <laughs> um. But I heard this, and with the specifically the so, solo piano version of it, it's so sad. It's just such a downer. And then to hear it with this, with like the horn section, and it's got a little bit more of a bop to it, it's really, it almost reminds me of his work with like Princess and the Frog and stuff. Yes. And am I, am I crazy? Is this, is this used in You Got, You've Got Mail? Am I? <laughs> maybe let me quick google it here i have this image of this with like uh tom hanks's face i think yeah i think it is it is <laughs> you are 100 percent correct my guy but it's the live version okay okay wow. oh my gosh i gotta rewatch that mail that movie is too good i desperately want to remake with like twitter oh yeah yeah like you got a dm or whatever right <laughs> yeah um, yeah we should who do we who do we contact about this let's... uh ooh, who would be good okay so let's just take a moment and be like who would be the leads here <laughs> oh it depends on the vibe you're going for you know mm, for some reason mm. the first name that popped in my head was addison ray and i don't think that's right mm. i was thinking Issa ray to be honest Oh, see, that's a much better suggestion. <laughs> Thank you, Issa Rae, and um, who's just so affable. And uh, what about um, Ike Barinholtz? Ooh, I'm not familiar with that name. I'm sorry. 
John to... Mulaney. Well, a John Mulaney type. Or John, John Mulaney type. With someone who you just kind of implicitly trust. Right. Although I don't know if I don't know if he holds that power these days. Yeah, I think he might. He, the, the vibe might have changed. I almost feel like Oscar Isaac because then it'd be like, yeah, no, you would. You would do anything for this man. That is that is a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're right. I think it's got to be Oscar Isaac. Thank you. Um, we just dipped our toe into a previous podcast that I used to do called Elevator Pitch, where we'd come oh. up with. Yeah, Damn. basically the bit we just did. But um, Lonely at the Top is a absolute bop. It kind of reminds me of Room Where It Happens from Hamilton for some reason. Okay, okay. I don't know why. It's got that kind of, I mean, all of Jefferson's stuff. No, Burr sings that, doesn't he? Right, yeah. Maybe I'm thinking, what do I, What did I miss? Because all of Jefferson's stuff's got that, like, southern. Yes. Twitch. I, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's a better comparison. Mm. Yeah. But. Yeah, I like it. I think it's uh, it's good. Um, I I also wanted to say like um, normally we go, you know, we have a pick what of what you think your favorite out of the the album. It's hard with this one because they're also good, but it is hard with this one. And I think well, I'll I'll use it. I'll kind of cheat and use it to talk about the next song chronologically, sort of. Mm. I think. My pick is the final song on the album, God Song. That's why mm-hmm. I'm kind. But it it pairs so well with the next song uh, in the track order is He Gives Us All His Love. And so mm-hmm. two songs, He Gives Us All His Love is like, if you take it out of context, it is just a straightforward worship song. Like it's yeah. a religious gospel song it's you know he gives us all his love you know if you need someone to talk to he's there um there there's some sort of numinous uh numinesque uh <laughs> um <laughs> digs in there because it's talking about like all you know you see all the the pain and suffering and the old folks dying but he's giving us all his love mm-hmm. uh, so but other than that you know it's it's a it's very straightforward this kind of beautiful hymn worship song and then so it is from the perspective of believers of humans singing about god right and then mm-hmm. the last song in the album god's song that's why i love mankind is from the perspective of god saying these fucking morons <laughs> i torture them i give them disease and famine and hardship and they do nothing but praise me that's why i love mankind you know it's like deeply dark and cynical and the pairing of and it's also just an unbelievable song i mean the the chords and the melodies and the the lyric everything about the song is so so good but especially in that context of this pairing of like Mm -hmm. very like earnest worship song and then god's response being like yeah you suckers <laughs> yeah that absolutely makes sense and i <laughs> i also was thinking when when did this come out in 1981 Seven, 70, 72 yeah. wow even earlier which makes sense because like during that time it was so still considered blasphemous right you know and specifically even having a song from the perspective of God would, right. be, would ruffle some feathers, let alone him going, look at these fucking idiots. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it was controversial when, like, you know, just a few years earlier, the Beach Boys put out God Only Knows. And to have Mm -hmm. God in the title of, like, a secular song was controversial. Yeah. Uh, Not a religious song, but it has God in the title. And then, you know, this is even, I mean, like, 12 steps past that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 100%. And then, like, even, and I mentioned this when we were hanging out the other day, like, growing up, my... (laughs) <laughs> mom was like i don't like godspell because they made him a hippie you know there's still this sort of sentiment and she's like i don't like jesus christ superstar much for the same reason and i can't imagine what it was like the flack he must have gotten in 1972 for this one right yeah um i will just throw it out there i, I was telling you earlier that i made a, a spotify playlist of <laughs> all the songs on sail away, but covered by other people. And a lot of them, um, their versions came out before Randy recorded them on this album, which has, has been the case of the other two albums we've talked about as well, that oftentimes he writes songs for other people and then eventually he'll record his version. Um, but, uh, I have a, a version of this song, God song, um, sung by Etta James, on here that's so good i mean it's just like leans into the gospely nature of the the style um and she just sounds amazing on it and it still has that sort of dark cynicism to it and so if you're out there tr- try to find that it's, it's... Um, i'll put it in the show notes okay yeah that way they all have access to it um yeah that's fantastic i am always excited to hear i kind of feel similarly to bob dylan as i do to randy of like i i personally love their voices because there's they have so much character however when someone does cover it it's like ah here it is (laughs) yes here it is yeah um which my pick is actually the next one in track order as well last night i had a dream oh yes a song i had never heard before until listening all the way through here and i gotta tell you it is so weird yeah (laughs) it's so good it's him describing a dream he had and he's like you were there and i was there which is all the way all the way (laughs) sorry already to go you were there but also i was there in this dream that i had like of course you were <laughs> number one because it feels like you know if you've ever heard someone describing a dream like at the office they're like oh dude i had this crazy dream last night Do you want to hear about it no it's always no but um but then he gets to like the bridge the pre-chorus i guess what it is and he goes i saw a vampire and right. i saw a ghost they frightened me but you frightened me the most yeah and, that's such a good that's such a good lyric and it reminded me of okay two things here number one the way he goes ghost is so good and right. going, vampire is so good it reminds me of this character that andy daly does um oh gosh it's he's the poet laureate of the west he does it on the this yes i've, I've heard this character yeah yeah on comedy bang bang and um and it just reminded me of his his poem Vampires as well, yes. which really warmed my heart. But what are your thoughts on Last Night I Had a Dream? I've always been so mystified by this song. Um, it is a banger. Like, it's great. 
Um, I just don't, I don't know like exactly what it's trying to do. Um, I guess it doesn't matter what, you know, if, if I could just accept it as like, yeah, this is a weird guy telling a weird dream. Uh, you know? Okay. Sure. Number one, Dalton Wilcox is the name of the character. Poet Lord of Lord of the West. Truly. Um, the funniest thing I will listen to that in like when I, in my deepest sorrows, I will listen to that and I will laugh so hard. Um, He also does a a poem about fucking a hole in the ground. It's so good. (laughs) But as far as this goes and like finding deeper meaning um, to it, I would make the pitch that it is also in Congress with God's song and he gives us all his love and talking about the sort of, uh, I guess, metaphysical nature of mankind, which is kind of giving it a lot of a, a lot of rope here. But I will also say it reminded me, have you ever heard of any of the music that David Lynch makes? A little bit. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that. And I don't if, know if you recall, like in episode one, I was like, they should do a collaboration. And I'm like, this is it. They should do a cover of Last Night I Had a Dream. Yeah. That was so good. Yeah. Last night I had a dream. <laughs> I saw a vampire and a ghost. Yeah. Um, so next on the track, we have Simon Smith and the Amazing Dancing Bear. And as I mentioned before, Glenn Tickle is going to talk a little bit more about like why he likes it. Yeah. But it's so good. Yeah, it is. And it's so this is one that he had written much earlier mm-hmm. in the late 60s that was covered by a few different people. Um, I think the first version was by uh, Alan Price. Mm. Um, but it's just kind of like a, a, a <laughs> it's like a silly novelty song. I mean, it's like this mm-hmm. kind of song about um, a guy who's got a dancing bear. I mean, <laughs> okay. No. It, it remi- okay. I well, I I want to hear you dig into it more, but mm-hmm. but you know, to me, it reminds me of like a Maxwell Silverhammer or <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like kind of just like oh yeah, this is like fun and silly musically. I think it's actually amazing. It's it's really complicated, um, and the arrangement is really cool. But okay, I I want to hear your pitch on Simon Smith. Okay. A couple as far as like the um the musicality part of it is also he sings in falsetto for a little bit, which is really fun to hear. And in the songbook version, boy, he tries. Um, But even on this version, he's, you know, it's so good. Also was featured in the Muppets. You can go and you can watch um, Fozzie dance around to this. It's so good. I have to watch that. It's so cute. Um, so as far as digging deeper, um, two things as well. Uh, in interviews, he goes, this was the song that made me know I could write lyrics well, which totally makes sense. Because even, we talked about this before, there's a lot of internal rhyming. You know, it's like when he goes, when I may go out tomorrow if I can borrow a coat to wear. So that's, you know, A, A, B, and then it goes C, C, B at, with the next one, whatever the line is. Um you know, with my sincere smile and my dancing bear, and that has sincere has a nice alliteration. Anyway, it's a really well written song. Yes. 
Um, and it's also, he said in interviews, he's like, I didn't, I never understood why musicians shouldn't have the same leeway as short story writers. And so it's a short story and it almost feels like a kid's book, right? Where it's like, you know, there's this guy who has a dancing bear and, you know, it's just, here's, this has nothing to do with my life. You know, Randy Newman's life. Right. It's an idea he had. But I will say there are certain implications of self-acceptance and class. Yes. In the lyrics, because it talks about, obviously, it's like they, um, they, they'll love us, won't they? They feed us, don't they? Now, who would think a boy could bear would be so well accepted everywhere? It's just amazing how fair people can be. Right. So it's kind of like, and even when he goes, I may go out tomorrow if I can borrow a coat to wear. This guy doesn't have a coat. Right. So right. it's clearly, clearly this poor guy that is doing a, much like Davy the Fat Boy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> has this poor dancing bear that he brings out again. Also, this reminds me of uh, Elephant Man. It does. It, like it's this sort of exploitation of the lower, lower working class of America. And it does thematically fit into that if you want it to. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, this this is fitting in with all the like American dream stuff of the album. Mm-hmm. But it is also kind of hopeful. It's that, you know, it's wistful. It's bittersweet because it is also like people are accepting of right. this person that has this dancing bear, which is a weird thing to have. Right. But also this is yes, a version that's it's working out sort of. Yeah. His American dream of, you know, <laughs> yeah. There, the the rich people treat him okay, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, and he even says, "Who needs money when you're funny?" You know, it's that very like lower working class attitude, you know, that you hear a lot of people have. But yeah, so I, it's a, it's a banger. Please watch the Muppets version. It's, it's, um, Scooter sings it. That's that's so good. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that as soon as I get off this call. So, (laughs) and you don't often hear Scooter sing, which is great. Yeah. And then we have Old Man, the emotional whiplash again. Yeah. Unbelievable song. Oh, so good. So this Uh, to me, you know, so like on the first album, um, we've got that song, uh, uh, So Long, Dad, which we talked Mm. about was like, from the perspective of this kid, he comes home to visit his, his dad in his old Holden town. And he, is really pitying his father, right? He's like, oh, you're still, you know, mopping these same floors and blah, blah, blah. And he really has this clearly bad relationship with his father. And this to me feels like almost a sequel to that. Now the father is on his deathbed and this guy, his son comes up and he's talking about how like, hey, old man, like, can you hear me? Like, do you see I'm the only one here? No one gives a shit about you. You were terrible in life and now you're dying and you're alone. Uh, and it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. I did cry like the first time I heard it. Cause I, again, never heard it before until this and going from Simon Smith to this, <laughs> I just was not prepared at all. 
And so I just was like, oh, you know, it's kind of like almost a cast in the cradle uh, evocative, like, oh, man, now I have to think about my parents in this way. Yeah. That they are going to go. But it's a beautiful song. And the fact that he's like, it opens with like, do you know who I am? Do you (laughs) remember me? Because you're so far gone. Yeah. It's so, yeah. And and so this is another one, right, where his chord progressions are, are it's, it's very simple. It's very um, melodic and, and hymn-like. You know, you could almost picture this as like a lullaby melody that you sing. Mm. Um, but, and it, it's all very even and very nice. And it's um, just heartbreaking because it's so, the lyrics have this, this acid in them, right? This like really passive aggressive or, or just aggressive um, lyrics to it. And there structurally, there's something that happens at the very end where, you know, we, we've got this third verse that falls apart structurally, you know, so it's, he's talking about, um, and also these lyrics are amazing. He said, won't be no God to comfort you. You taught me not to believe that lie. Mm -hmm. You don't need anybody. Nobody needs you. And then don't cry, old man. Don't cry. Everybody dies. Those last two lines sort of break away from everything. And it's like the strings are swelling and they just stop in the middle on this like half diminished chord. That's like clearly leading to something else, but it's just done. Which is perfect. So good. And so, you know, I was saying I made this playlist of covers and the cover I found of this is uh, around the same time, shortly after, uh, Art Garfunkel recorded this song. Oh. And and look, I love Art Garfunkel. I think he's got a beautiful voice, you know? Um, and a lot of what he does with the arrangement is very beautiful. It's like even more lush and the strings and everything. But he gets to that ending and he he doesn't do it. He he has this long instrumental outro that sort of completes that thought and it totally ruins, <laughs> you know, it totally ruins the ending because it's what's supposed to happen is it just stops right in the middle. Cause he finally dies. And, uh, and it's like this real powerful moment in the Randy Newman version. And in his version, it's just like, okay, this is just like a, a beautiful song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, all of that makes sense. And yeah, you do get it. It just stops. And that's perfect. It don't mess with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that specifically when he that last verse is such a gut punch. Because when he's like, by the way, you're not going to heaven. There's no hope. You're just done, dude. And you told me that. Exactly. Yeah. So, fuck you it oh my gosh yeah and then you know like what you mentioned earlier the sort of connections between this and god's song right of having that sort of this is now also from the perspective of a human but a really cynical one who doesn't believe in god um and so sort of fit that into the context of the the other two uh god related metaphysical songs is interesting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, we got political science out next, baby. 
Perhaps like, one of the most blatant satires he's ever written. Absolutely. And so like I, I mentioned on the first episode, this was one of the first Rainy Newman songs I heard because my guidance counselor told me I should listen. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, uh, yeah. And, and it's so good. This is, you know, um, from the perspective of America at its most jingoistic, at its most... Uh, America. Mm-hmm. So every twenty years, right? Really talking about um, what? Why? Look, we've got atomic bombs. Why are we putting up? <laughs> Let's put everyone up. You know. Uh, and there's this great moment. He played it back at like uh, when he was on the Dark Matter tour. He played it over in London with this beautiful orchestra. And he goes, so. This song starts out and it says, no one likes us and I don't know why. And that's getting harder and harder to sing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is so good. And I was like, damn, Randy, you got him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's such a good. And like the fact that like. It is like it. And again, like the writing is so strong because it's like it's like we give them money. Are they grateful? No, they're spiteful and they're hateful. Such a beautiful just like he's got bars. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you hear him go, boom, goes London, boom, Prairie, more room for that. Me, you and more room for me is also the way he hits that boom. Like he does. Obviously, you got to When you say boom, you got to slap on those. Yeah, you gotta really nail those those lower piano notes. It's good. And I'll say this, I learned it on the keyboard, and then also I got a ukulele for Christmas. Okay. And it slaps on a ukulele. I wanna hear Ingrid Michelson oh, no. <laughs> do a cover of this or someone. It would be so good. Yeah. But yeah, it's such a funny, sad, snarky, sardonic song. Yeah, I I really I think we gotta shout out the bridge here, where mm. <laughs> and he's like, well, we'll save Australia, you know. I don't want to hurt no kangaroos. My he must have known that he's like, what's the funniest animal I, Randy Newman, can say the name of? Right. Kangaroo. Yeah. And it's not even kangaroos. There's no s. Don't want to hurt no kangaroo. Period. And then to rhyme kangaroo with surfing too. <laughs> so weird. And the idea of like, okay, we'll turn all of Australia into a water park. Yeah. Sounds great. And then the line after that is like, um, you know, every city all around the world will just be another American town. You know, and I love that idea of like, we're just... It's like a funnier version of Little Houses by Pete Seeger, right? Yeah, well, the most, I think the most biting lyric here, satirically, is that the one right after that is, oh, how peaceful it'll be. We'll set everybody free. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's really like straight up Marvel villain shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, he needs me to destroy it to free us, you know? Yeah, it's literally Loki's monologue from yeah. the first Avengers, yeah. And then I love the idea of, like, the lyric, the line after that is, you know, it'll be a Japanese kimono for you, babe, Italian shoes for me. 
as if, you know, we'll take everything and it'll be part of this great melting pot. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh, boy. Such a good, such a good song. Then yeah. we got Burn On. Right. Which is is about the um the river in Cleveland that caught on fire because of pollution. Yeah. Um, which so again, this is sort of like fits into the uh the flaws of the mythology of America trend, you know. One hundred percent. How beautiful the sun is and how beautiful, you know, burn on river, burn on, but it's so <laughs> pollution <laughs> we did this and it's done in such like a like a ragtime beautiful like you can imagine like i'm imagining like a, a you know uh what a, a casino boat what are those called you know with the big oh, wheel nice. you know it's beautiful you know we're all playing cards look the river's on fire how quaint yeah oh my god and there's something you know i, I I don't know how really intentional this is because it's just the the fact of the name of the the river, right? But of course, cl- both Cleveland and Cuyahoga are are Native American names, and I think that sort of adds this other context mm-hmm. uh, about the you know we not only did we like take over these places and your names, but then we also like polluted it so much that it literally caught on fire. Gosh, I had not thought of that. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. Well, at least we fixed it. <laughs> at least we don't have any problems like this anymore. Oh, much better. Yeah, we fixed it. Back in 70, 72, we knew, and we knew better than to continue on the way we did. Yeah. <sighs> oh, my gosh. So that's that. It's pretty self-explanatory i feel like it is beautiful musically mm. oh yeah it's so good and again you get that like dissonance of like <laughs> it sounds so nice and then you're like oh no wait a minute right <laughs> yeah um but this next one memo to my son is is another sort of like this one can also be seen as a more direct prequel to old man so this is from the perspective of a father who's got this kid this baby and he's like doesn't know what to do with it he's talking about like oh you're making a mess you know what did you do to the mirror what did you do to the floor like i can't leave you alone like what is going on here you know and he's talking about like one day you'll you know you'll understand how smart i am and all the wisdom that i have but then the chorus he offers his wisdom which is just <laughs> a quitter never quits a winner never quits when the going gets tough, the tough get going, you know, mm-hmm. like just the most hacky cliches. <laughs> That's the great wisdom this man has to offer. his. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Again, not to get too repetitive. Imagine this song intercut with images from a racer head. Yeah, it's fatherhood's weird, man. I don't know what to tell you. You should do that. I think that would be a big hit on TikTok. Ooh, I should. Yeah. Very, very niche TikTok. David Lynch is very popular on TikTok. Who, like my, I would have never called David Lynch as the celebrity to understand social media in the way he does. 
Yeah. Ugh. I think part of it is his like um his shamelessness. Mm. You know, like he's he's not trying to figure out how to do social media, he's just doing it. And that sort of earnestness and weirdness works, you know. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And he's, you know, clearly interested in technology because he hopped on like the digital camera bandwagon immediately. He had a website before like most people did. He's been trying for a while. And I'm glad to see that like it took a global pandemic for him to become a YouTuber. But, you know, that was one of the highlights definitely of 2020. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have much to add vis-a-vis -vis memo to my son. Yeah, it's 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 one of those like it actually feels a lot like a song on Twelve Songs, where it's this sort of it's very short. It sort of floats in and out. There's not a lot of like um, dynamics. It's you know, it's sort of like we're doing these three verses. We got this little chorus, and then we're gone, um, and it sort of floats in and out. But I think it's it's basically it's just there in context with some of these other songs you know yeah yeah i agree um then we have dayton ohio which we kind of talked about a little bit yeah yeah i mean again i think this is it's interesting because it's one that other people had recorded before him mm. uh, and to me it almost i don't know how to make sense of it out of the context of like out of the shadow of political science or sail away or whatever right you know just on its own it's just like yeah it's this nice little placid song about spending a nice day in ohio <laughs> <laughs> which you know there's nothing wrong with inherently but it's just a nice little ditty yeah i mean is this what biden was talking about when he was like you you turn on the radio you know <laughs> Yes. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it's interesting because there's um, in this like second verse, it sort of shifts, or or actually in in both verses rather, it it is from like the present day singing about how mm. right. It's a it's a nostalgia piece. So the the choruses are like taking place in 1903 how nice it is to spend a day in Dayton Ohio but the verses sort of frame it as like oh wasn't it so nice long ago when everything was easy or whatever right which is sort of inherently um you know it's a sort of rose-colored glasses of nostalgia right it's like um what are you ignoring? What else is going on in Ohio in 1903? I'm sure a lot of bad shit you know yeah if you Absolutely. were like an upper middle class white family. 100%. It's almost like uh, we're checking in on sailing, sail away. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what I mean. You know, it's yeah. really a shadow of that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Ah, and then we get to this one. Oh, yeah. Which I'm going to talk about like someone, another guest um, is going to come on and talk about this one. So I'll get... You know, everyone's perspective on it is unique, but I don't want to belabor it too much. But you sound very excited about it. Well, look, you know, I so we're talking about you can leave your hat on. We didn't actually say this is, <laughs> you know, it's just like I like a good song about a weirdo sex pervert, you know. <laughs> and this guy, he's like, take off your coat real slow. 
real slow. Take your dress, but you could leave that hat on, you know? And yeah. what what kind of hat is it, I wonder? Is it a cat in the hat hat? Is it a, a propeller hat? You know, it's like <laughs> we don't get any context. We don't get any clues of what kind, you know? But, but this person is going to stand on a chair and going to raise their arms in the air, and that's hot. I don't know why. Can I tell you a couple of things? Number one, yes. Uh, weirdo sex pervert. Absolutely. My theory. Do you want to hear my theory about this? I really do. He wants to fuck a lamp. <laughs> um, he, yeah. You know, it's it's like a lampshade is the hat and the arms are like the, you know. Yes. He wants to have sex with a lamp. He wants to get it on with a lamp. You know, he saw a Christmas story and he's like, this changes everything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's about my favorite thing about it. And like Randy's talked about this is like he writes songs about losers. Like what? this isn't glamorous in any way. He's not like a sexual deviant in like a hot way. He's like some <laughs> weirdo. Now, what? two things. My favorite line has to be. Baby, take off your shoes. No, no, no. Here, I'll take off your shoes. As if he's like, no, 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 no. no forget about it. I can, I can help out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a second thing. Go ahead. You know who did a cover of this song? Who? Tom. Oh. Jones. Of course. And when he sings it, and like, there's this great documentary from the BBC that came out a couple of years ago called. Um, Unfortunately, I am Randy Newman. It's available on YouTube. Okay. Um, and he and Randy talks about this. He's like, you know, because he's like, you know, you can leave your hat on. And he's like, here. But of course, when Tom took it, he goes, you can leave. Like, and he's like shouting it. And people go, oh, man, how sexy when Tom Jones sings it, even though it's still about a weirdo. Right, right. And he's like, man, if I just sung up an octave, maybe I'd be Tom Jones. And I was like, I have bad news for you, Randy. <laughs> but yeah, I think he wants to fuck a lamp. Okay. I I respect that. Um, what I was going to say is, have you, <laughs> have, have you seen the film Rat Race? Do you remember Rat Race? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So there's, <laughs> you know, they're doing all these bets. Uh, in addition to the actual rat race, these rich people are having all these side bets, um, you know, like who will throw up in the airplane first and blah, blah, blah. And one of them is is they get the, the sort of like his, John Cleese's right hand man to um, to hire a prostitute and describe what he wants, which is like involves um, filling a bathtub with Pepto-Bismol and shaving his toe. <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and you know they're all betting to see how much it's going to cost but but this <laughs> this sort of feels like that right he's like it's almost like he's with a sex worker and he's saying okay i want you to take off your shoes no no no, i'm gonna take off your shoes um i want you to stand on this chair and then okay can you put your arm up and and the <laughs> person is like okay i mean hey i'm getting paid you know mm -hmm. yeah it's your dime man yeah it it kind of almost feels like a sequel to Mama Told Me Not to Come in a weird way, too. Yeah. Like, we're checking in with that kid, and Bad Company has so, like, he's, his life is so strange now because he saw a cigarette being smoked. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> it's such a good song. And it's a bop, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. When, when he goes, you don't know what they don't know what love is. They don't know what love is. But I know. Yeah. I know what love is. It's so good. Yeah. So good. Ooh. Then again, emotional whiplash. Right. We go from a sex pervert to God song. Parenthetical. That's why I love mankind. Yeah. And obviously we already talked about it, but you know, this is from the perspective of God talking about um, the things that humans do in his name and how ridiculous it is and, and how poorly he can treat people and how much they're going to love him anyway. You know, he says in this last verse, I burn down your cities, how blind you must be. I take from you, your children. And you say, how blessed are we? Mm -hmm. You all must be crazy to put your faith in me. That's why I love mankind. You really need me. That's why. I love mankind. Which is oof. Again, like blasphemous. Yeah. <laughs> so mean to God. One of them. My favorite lines out of the whole one is, um, gosh, it's the Christians and the Jews. Oh, gosh, I, I should bring it up. But basically, it ends up with Buddhists and the Hindus are on satellite TV. Yes. Yeah. Which I like the concept of like, oh, they're there, but not as much. <laughs> like, it's so rude to everybody. Yeah. It's so mean and it's so unflattering to anyone who isn't. Like, and again, it links in with old man too. Of like, you told me not to believe in that lie. It's very thematically. Yeah, these songs are all daisy chained together, and I think a beautiful way. Yeah, and that's really what makes this album so special. I mean, all the songs are great. The arrangement is great. His voice sounds great in his way. You know, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it really is. It's not. Not that I would call this a concept album, but there are thematic through lines that really make it a strong, cohesive unit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple bonus tracks on yeah. the CD version. Do you want to talk about those? Sure. Um, Let yeah. It Shine. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Let It Shine, I think, especially coming right after God's song, right? This is another sort of like very... Yeah. Uh, um, optimistic religious song mm -hmm. <laughs> let it shine yeah it's very like oh don't mind what god's doing just keep going be hopeful you know yeah it is like weirdly contrasted and again you're talking about like with dayton ahia like without the context of god's song having just come before it it would just sound like something you might hear in a sunday school right yeah exactly Whereas it seems like a send up now. It's a spoof, if you will. Yeah. And I it's very catchy. I can't remember the tune right off the top of my head. I listened to it a couple of times in preparation for this. But like, you know, it it's hard to pay attention these days. <laughs> but then also maybe I'm doing it wrong. Right. I liked as well which is a great concept of like i'm trying so hard but like i don't know yeah which uh, you know there there ain't no book you can read there ain't nobody to tell you um but i don't think i'm getting what everybody's getting you know it's like, <laughs> like yeah you know and that's true i feel that sometimes right life is hard it's like i don't know how to do things i'm, I'm <laughs> the best here yeah 
And I love it again within the context of like, well, this is, you know, the opposite of Simon Smith. Because like Simon Smith has made it work right. for himself. Or he's like, whereas this guy's like, I don't fucking know. And <laughs> I look to other people and they seem fine. This, yeah, it's this kind of like response again of like the American, like, I don't, who, who's to say? Right. <laughs> who's to say what's, oh my God. And it's so good. And it's, um, the, the, the lack of subtext is so refreshing as well. Right. Because a lot of the times you get in this gray area with Randy where he's like, oh, you know, it could be this, it could be that. But there's not a lot of subtext in, in this one specifically. It kind of reminds me of the song, I Want Everybody to Like Me. Yes. <laughs> which is just what it is. Yeah, I, I think that's why, you know, these two songs, uh, it makes sense that maybe they were left off, right? It's, you know, they they fit thematically, but I think they're both a little more on the nose in, and I think um, what they're trying to do exists other places on the album in a, in a little bit more sophisticated way, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, pardon me. Um, and then we get a couple like just early versions of songs that are already on the album. Yeah. And I prefer the early version of Dayton, Ohio, personally. Interesting. Because it's just kind of him at the keyboard. And I think there's more, there's woodwinds, are there? Is there or am I making that up? Oh, I'd have to go back and listen. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely much more stripped down. Yeah. And because it, it, it sounds more sincere. Like this is someone, this, it sounds like someone's grandfather who's moseyed over to the piano and be like, hey, you remember this? You know, and he's just noodling and he's well, kind of making it up. There's this is on one of the songbook albums, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that has that same quality, too. Right? I mean, because then he really is an old man. So oh, for sure. Yeah. On his piano. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then I also prefer the this version of You Can Leave Your Hat On because it sounds nastier because it. Yeah, it's just kind of him going, you know, because he's also <laughs> he's also in both all of these. He's too close to the mic, so you can hear the sibilance. Mm, yeah, and him like open his mouth when he's like, "You can leave your head on." Like it's just so, ugh, it's just so intense, and I like that a lot. I mean, look, he's good. It's yeah. great. I don't know what to tell you. This song, top to bottom, enjoyable. Yeah. No misses, as I said at the beginning. Yeah, truly. Well, let me know, you know, tweet at me what your favorite song is. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Smash that vase over your head and call it a day. <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes with Scott, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, I mean, I'm on Twitter. It's uh, Interante Scott. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-A-N-T-E. And then Scott, S-C-O-T-T. Uh, I'm on TikTok, Scott Interante. I'm, I'm floating around and I'm excited. I'll, I'll keep coming back and doing these with you. We'll get through the rest of the discography. Yeah, I'm very excited. Also, I feel like I would be remiss if we just finished. I, I was on one of your projects. Yes. Yeah, well, every year... Um, 
my friends and I record a Christmas album. We record the whole thing in one day. Um, it's called Discomfort and Joy. You can find it at discomfortandjoy.bandcamp.com. Um, this is our 11th album that Tristan graced us with his breath to, to come. Um, and if you're wondering, huh, I wonder if they did a cover of or a parody of short people, but it's about elves wanting to unionize. The answer, you might be shocked. <laughs> so, um, so that should be out now by the time you're hearing this. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, I, I, when you pitched that, you're like, okay, what about short people about elves? I literally said, Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> yes. It was so much fun. And I got to play with a band, I think for the first time in my life. And I had a moment of like, oh, oh, this is why people want to do this. Yeah, this is so sick. Yeah, uh, no, it turned out great. And um, you you might not be able to recognize Tristan's voice because it is pitched up to sound like an L. But trust me, it is Tristan Miller uh, singing away those lyrics. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was so pleased. It was such a fun time. Um, you can follow me. You probably already do if you're listening to this, to be honest, but at Tristan J. Miller one on Twitter, TristanJMiller.com. And uh, if you want to throw me some bucks, Patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller. The brand is strong. Yeah. The brand is strong. And these episodes come out a little early on Patreon. So if you like the show and you want to listen to it early, go there. All right. I don't have a sign off. I feel like I should figure out a well, for this one, I think we got to just sail away. Uh, <laughs> that's much better. I was going to say, well, as always, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> <laughs>